Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I have been around cybersecurity for the last 20 years and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors. My main work is vendor consulting and cybersecurity advisory for companies. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I've been intrigued to learn how a company starts. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have Joshua here from Bar Technologies. Joshua, can you please tell me about yourself and the company? Firstly, thanks for having me here. So I am the founder of Bar Technologies, and we are primarily into automation of identity and access management. This is a very interesting field. If we're looking on the industry and we're looking about the zero trust motion, not zero trust vendor, zero trust motion and the framework and architecture, because we work from anywhere, the identity becoming basically a key to understand how to provide access and what you can or cannot do. So I'm very happy that you guys decided to help and fix this important part. Company been a while for a while, but you guys made some changes. But before we go there, I'm wondering why you decided even to go to this part? Like what was the motivation and the problem you were wanting to solve around what, five, six years ago? Yeah, so we actually went to market in 2018. So we are a fairly young company. And to answer your question, Evigny, so during my tenure as an employee in a fairly large organization, probably around 2013, 2014, somewhere around that time, and some organizations before that, I actually saw how very talented individuals were involved in very repetitive IT infrastructure work. So rather than using their skills and making the workplace more efficient, they spend time in performing the same mundane tasks every day with regards to infrastructure. Moreover, all this time spent, IT risks was still always a challenge, despite all of this repetitive work that so many people were doing. There had to be a better way to solve this. So when we actually went to market, at that time, identity and access management was not our core focus. We basically built a product called BAR, Business Automation, AI and Robotics, which is a low-code, drag-and-drop infrastructure automation platform. We then put BAR to the test in multiple enterprise organizations to automate testing of controls as well as infrastructure. That's what our core focus was at the time. Now, it did great. BAR really performed itself in an absolutely fantastic manner. Now, most of the projects that we got were related to automation of employee onboarding and terminations, integration with legacy systems for the purpose of access provisioning, and testing of control effectiveness for access management. Now, that is where we started getting better at these because every time we deploy these, we realize that we're just getting better at them. And we also realize that there is this huge gap in the market, despite all the tools already available, where complex environments have a challenge with all of these things. That is where we actually, on top of BAR, which was the low-code platform of ours, we built out, it took us a fairly long time doing that. We built out a whole identity governance and administration framework, which we basically called Bar IGA. So that's how we really got into the whole identity space. You mentioned about tasks needed to do all the time, repetitive tasks. A lot of people say that basically if you need to do a task three times, then you probably need to script it. One of, one of my friends explained what DevOps mean. DevOps, it's a lazy administrator that doesn't want to do the work manually. So he writes scripts to do it. 
So automation, and not just automation, but the framework with automation, I think it's important and very good. You mentioned when you guys come up with the idea, you went and tested with multiple companies. How hard it was to go and actually talk to people, understand if they want to use it, prove the idea is working? It was hard. One, it was hard because we were a complete nobody in the market. And we are going and telling customers that we want to connect to your active directory. We want to connect to your financially critical systems to test controls. And that was a huge challenge. But the need was there because it was a clear value proposition, something that manually, one, is very error prone. And secondly, takes a long time, is very expensive. We could basically crunch that time down, crunch the effort down enormously. So we were given an opportunity. It took us nearly a year to get the first customer. We were given an opportunity. And this was, I would say, you know, things that really motivated us even more to keep going. The opportunity came from two companies. One was one of the largest toy companies in the world. And second is one of the largest banks in Canada. We had fantastic customers to start with. And I think that's where Bar really approved itself. And they're still customers of ours. I think ROI, and if you can show ROI return for investment, is very good. Especially if you can not just say we have a cool technology, we'll stop blah, or zero days that is very hard to quantify. But you say you're spending X amount of hours on this task. This is the amount of people you need. If you use our technology, so you're able to free this time of people and make sure there is no mistakes and make sure the government's working correctly. This is a very good idea. After you were able to prove that the direction is correct, I guess you need to hire people and create the software. Tell me about this journey, how you decided who to hire, and we're going to go deeper about the hiring process a bit. So our journey actually started, I think it was the other way around. See, when we knew that IT infrastructure automation was a gap in the market, we actually started building the product way, way before we went to market. So at that time, I was in a full-time job at the time. Now, because I was scared it might become a conflict of interest, I moved to being a contractor. And that's when we started building it. I have two co-founders. Actually, they were initially developers that were working with me. And then they were just so amazing. We got along so well. We thought thought alike. So they basically went on to become my co-founders. So one was the lead developer and one was an architect. Now, the way we are structured essentially is we are headquartered in Canada. And we have our offshore development center and subsidiary in India. Now, both of them are essentially the ones that are in India and our team has grown under them. So when we started, it was the three of us. Essentially, we hired a few developers, lots of money going from the pocket, getting things done. 2017, end of 2017 is when it was moment of truth to actually go to market and try selling the technology. From hiring people, this is an important part. Yes, you want to hire people. Yes, you probably don't want to spend a lot of money. But you also want to understand if these people are going to feed the team, going to be a team player. So you want to create some kind of a culture of the company. Did you guys spoke about the culture? Did you spoke about what type of people you want in the company and how you decided to move forward with this? Absolutely. So I think one thing in common between all the three co-founders were we were all very customer-focused. Now, when I say customer-focused, we would always go above and beyond to ensure that the customer had what they wanted rather than telling customers, look, this is our product and this is what it does. You need to alter your ways to basically fit the product. Now, it, that's the culture that we wanted to really bring in. Second was innovation. The customer always wants something new, but how do you really ensure 
that your product is evolving based on what the customer wants, even though it isn't something that is really in your roadmap. So that is where we had to be very innovative. These were two things that were very important for us. Now, being a startup, and since a lot of our initial hiring was, was offshore, which is a market which is booming and very difficult to find developers, we had to basically go in for younger developers. So we could always teach them technology, but what we couldn't teach them is attitude. So that is one of the main things that we focused on. What is the attitude of this person? Is he open to learning? Is he someone who is going to basically fit our culture? And of course, it was very high pressure because in fact, it still is very high pressure with our whole team. So is the person going to be able to cope with that? And I think those were the main things. It is the first thing is the attitude. So every conversation we have with someone who wants to join the team, it is what is the attitude this person comes with. It is definitely important. Now the team is growing. How do you manage all the tasks? How do you make sure everybody doing what they need to be doing without going to micromanagement and let people still do their work and feel independent? I would say there are three real rules that I've been trying to follow. First is follow through. Now, we all make plans. In school, when I had an exam, I used to create multiple timetables after timetables. But I think the main thing is follow through. And I think that's the part that becomes very challenging. Second is not to procrastinate. Now, procrastination is very easy, but I guess it's very important to fight it and not put things away for another time because things build up really fast. And rule number three essentially is I try to have a mountaineer mindset where a mountaineer, for example, he knows where he wants to go. But at any given point in time, he is only focused on the few meters around him. Now, am I good at following these rules? I'm not. I'm human and I slip and get carried away as well. But I'm trying very hard to follow these rules to ensure that we keep moving in the direction that we want to. We're going to shift the focus a bit back to customers. If there was a moment and you realize you're in the right track, you mentioned you pivoted to IAM, I guess because customer requests. But after that, did you got the feedback from a customer? Something happened in the industry that you really knew you were going in the right direction. So after we pivoted, we built out this whole framework. And it's a very large framework. For the size of organization, it is enormously large. So it took us nearly two years. Despite the fact that we have a unique architecture, everything is built on our low-code platform. Now, we got our first customer to really use the full-blown identity governance and administration platform. 40,000 employees, 20 lines of businesses, 45 odd billion dollars in revenue. So it was a large customer. They have an extremely complex environment purely because let's talk about onboarding of employees, for example. Now, because everything onboarding terminations is fully no touch. Now, every line of business that they have, and they have 20 of them, every line of business has a separate set of rule set that they follow for employee onboarding. So there were audit challenges that this company had because of which they basically brought us in. So the first commendation that we got from them essentially was when after going live, they had their first audit and they really pointed out how much of a benefit essentially it was for them going with our platform where the complete automation and leaving aside the whole fact that their team could be redeployed to other areas where the team was needed. But I think the biggest motivation for us was the fact that their audit challenges basically went down. Their audit findings 
went down enormously. The second thing was essentially a call that we were on where now Bar IGA also basically finds dormant users and applications because Bar IGA is not just a set of controls. We also test control effectiveness. Now, in finding dormant users across, I think at that time we had only integrated with about six of the lines of businesses. Across six lines of businesses, the organization could save close to $700,000 only in license costs. Now, these are license costs where there were users who had a license to use the respective systems, but they had never logged in. So, you know, where Bar could basically find the dormant users, send an email to them, tell them if you don't log in, your access will be revoked. And if they've still not logged in, the revocation basically happens in an automated manner as well. So I think these were two areas where we knew that, yes, one, the market is enormous. Second, the fact that what has been built is working. So it was going hand in hand with the vision. If you can go back five years, five, six years, will it be anything you do different? Yes, absolutely. I would say focus. A day has 24 hours and bandwidth is limited. When we started, essentially, we had decided to fund the company by providing services on bar. So essentially, the way bar works is you have to build workflows based on what the customer wants. Bar IGA has already workflow, so nothing needs to be done. But when we started off, essentially, we used to go to customers saying, we will provide an end-to-end -end solution to you where we will basically deploy the bar licenses as well as build the workflows for you. So that was the service part of it. Now, it helped from the cash flow perspective, but we realized that focus for a product company and focus for a service company is very different. And you cannot have two focuses. We were managing two focuses, which hampered things for us. Again, lots of mistakes we've made, which we paid very dearly for. This was one of them. If we ever have to do this again, and if we are going to be a product company, we will focus on being a product company. Let a service company manage the service aspect on the product. I have a feeling I know the answer for my next question that I'm going to ask you. When you have bad days, when something's not going as you want, what do you do to get back to yourself? Oh, <laughs> bad days. What are they? One thing about bad days, even if you have one every day, you never get used to them. And that's the case with me. Two things that I do. So one is essentially compartmentalize. All of us wear multiple hats. We have family. We are a sportsman. We are a friend. Compartmentalize the bad days. Don't let them get into your time with your family, your friend, or your time as a sportsman. Secondly, I sail. And I think that has really kept me going on these bad days. So there have been times when I've just gone out sailing alone. And that has helped a lot. Is this a way of meditation for you to be alone with the wind and with the boat? <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. Another thing that I do is there are these offshore races. Now, an offshore race typically can extend from 24 hours to even probably three to four days. These are nonstop races where you are. And I try and go single handed, which is me alone in the boat for these offshore races. These offshore races are a, a big teacher for me because these offshore races, you are by yourself. Lake Ontario basically throws a lot of things at you. You have times of no wind, times of very heavy wind, high waves, rain. When you're out there, you're tired, you're sleepy because when you're alone, you can't touch shore for these three to four days. So you're tired, you're sleepy, you're battling these elements. You have to keep going. You have to reach the finish line. Now, it's not only reaching the finish line, you're also competing with others. 
Now, these others, there are people with better boats, better experience, better equipment, and you're still competing with them and you still want to win. So that's been a huge teacher for me as well. This is a very cool motivation and very good example. I think this is the first time I see this example of personal life that basically reflect business life as well. So thank you very much. We're going to move to what we call the dark time. This is where we basically speak about stuff that didn't go well as you expected. You mentioned some of them already, but maybe you can share more, some of the failures and some of the lessons learned from them. Absolutely. Now, first lesson, of course, was the services part. Knowing we are doing something wrong, have we been able to really make the change? Not as yet. We've started making the change. We've started partnering with implementation partners, with MSPs who have started doing deployment for us. So that's a change that we've started making. I think the biggest mistake that we made really, the biggest, something that really cost us about a year and a half was initially when we knew our focus was IT automation, IT infrastructure automation. Some of the initial customers we got, they asked us to automate business processes for them. It was primarily reading from documents. We did a fantastic job with that. Those use cases are still being used even after five years. But we actually made the mistake of going and building parallel products. So we built this smart OCR platform, which had nothing to do with our core focus. And we actually built that out. I think that is one of those things that did not go well for us. We shouldn't have done that. We lost time. We lost focus. It's helping now because we've actually filed a provisional patent for the same tool. We are going to reuse it, remodel it. To read now all the privileged access management tools essentially they read from video they record videos of what the privileged user is doing in an application so we are going to be repurposing that tool to using ai to actually read those video files and find out if the person is doing something he shouldn't be doing the point is at that point in time we needed the bandwidth to focus so i think these are some of the things which haven't really gone well in terms of customers, I think projects, I think there is some power that has given us wings to ensure that none of our projects have failed. So I think that is something that kudos to the team. The team has worked very hard as well. But I think that's something that we've never had issues with. Yoshi, thank you very much. Very, very interesting episode. Thank you for your guidance and for your wisdom as well. Happy to have you here. Thanks so much, Avigni, and thank you so much for your time. Everybody's listening. Thank you very much for listening. Please like, reply, share, tell your friends and join you in the next episode. Thank you, everyone.